Wall Street is full of corruption and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over a hundred years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbine. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar, a special Saturday evening edition, just because that's the time I had available, right? But I wasn't probably even going to go live today until I got a message from a friend, longtime supporter, longtime friend, who said, I want you to take a look at a Chris Hedges article that he wrote basically today. It was from his Substack, And, um, you know, I, I, I've always revered. Chris Hedges. He's always been a guy who I felt like, you know, he was always kind of like a dark angel, if you will. He always gave the the truth, the unvarnished truth. Um, but one thing is that Chris Hedges is absolutely not an economist. And for all the good he does when it comes to discussing uh, war, and other things, he always seems to find a way to try to insert economic discussions into his pieces. And I would love that if he actually understood the economics he was putting out there. He's very similar to Richard Wolff. He's a person within our leftist movement that we all know, we all love, but gets it terribly wrong, terribly wrong. And so you know, look at Bernie Sanders and Bernie Sanders had Stephanie Kelton for all those years. And yet he still gets it wrong, 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 like not a little wrong, a lot of wrong. Okay. So I tub this thing, this, uh, you know, thing when, when our heroes get it wrong and I use the silver bullet right here, not that I'm big on bullets, <laughs> understand that. But the fact is, is that I used that as my, uh, my picture because quite frankly that's i want you all to understand that it's a simple thing to get this correct it's not hard to get this correct but i want you to hear from him so you understand why i had to go live right now i want you to understand this is his article okay and let me go ahead and get over there for a second take about two seconds to get over there it's called No Way Out But War. Permanent war has cannibalized the country. It has created a social, political, and economic morass. Each new military debacle is another nail in the coffin of Pax Americana. Now, I want you to understand. Got 569 loves, 145 comments. I have no idea how many of these comments are even literate or whether they're just cheering Chris Hedges on. Normally, I want to clear, cheer Chris Hedges on, but I, I can't on this. I mean, there's parts of this article that I want to scream from the rooftop. You nailed it, Chris. You nailed it. But the parts he didn't get right, the problem is they are so wrong. And 
people repeat Chris Hedges, people repeat Richard Wolf as if it's spoken from the Lord himself from on high. And this is what happens when our heroes get it wrong. People parrot what they say. It's almost like we trust them so much. We think of them as exactly correct at all times. And we're afraid to call them out. We're afraid to say, and when I say call them out, I don't mean ruin them, go after them, hurt them. I'm talking about, I want to correct this. Chris Hedges, now I may not like the movement for a people's party. I may have my issues with Nick Branya. I may have my issues with the whole kind of ivermectin crew. Okay. But in particular for this, I know I was there in the beginning when MPP set up their whole, this is who we are and what we are. And in their structure, they attempted to add the stuff that we were pushing hard. And we were in the beginning part of that. And it was all modern monetary theory. Well, Chris Hedges had sidled up with MPP. Jimmy Dore had sidled up with MPP. All these people sidled up with MPP, but none of them take what MPP has in their thing. None of them. I mean, not even that. None of them. It makes no sense to me. It's almost as if it's a hand wave. It's not real. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this. I'm going to go through it point by point, and it's a little bit long. So if I have to skip around, forgive me, because I don't have unlimited time. This was borrowed from the family. So trust me when I say that. As you who know about borrowing from the family, this is borrowing from the family. It's a really cool picture, grabs your attention. War machine coming out of George Washington's face. A lot of death, a lot of cool stuff, right? No guts, no glory, Mr. Fish. All right, let's read this together. The United States as a near unanimous vote to provide nearly 40 billion in aid to Ukraine illustrates is trapped in the death spiral of unchecked militarism. No high-speed trains, no universal health care, no viable COVID relief plan, no respite from 8.3% inflation, no infrastructure programs to repair the decaying roads and bridges, which require $41.8 billion to fix the 43,586 structurally deficient bridges. Okay? Now, there's so much to unpack right here already that I'm just going to say I agree with them so far, right? I just agree with them so far. We're no difference. I'm with them. Um, on average, 68 years old, no forgiveness of 1.7 trillion in student debt, no addressing income inequality, no program to feed the 17 million children who go to bed each night hungry, no rational gun control or curbing of the epidemic of nihilistic violence and mass shootings, no help for 100,000 Americans who die each year of drug overdoses, no minimum wage of 15 an hour, counter 44 years of wage stagnation, no respite from gas prices that are projected to hit $6 a gallon. Now, let's go ahead and just take that on its face value. We're already there. We've defined this problem. We all agree. Right now, I think we all agree, okay? You can quibble about a few of the things because he's not associating why these things are happening to why they're really happening, but we're all in agreement so far. Let's go back to the article starts going out of control very soon. The permanent war economy implanted since the end of World War II has destroyed the private economy, bankrupted the nation, 
squandered trillions of dollars of taxpayer money. Look at this. I want you to understand, he is not a serious person when he talks this way. When anybody speaks of this way, they're telling you flat out, I literally don't have any idea whatsoever that I'm talking about as it pertains to economics. Okay? That's what he's saying right there. And I want to explain why. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I don't want you to feel like I'm bashing uh, Chris Hedges because I love, let me say it really clear for the kids in the back that tend to get all protective of their heroes. I love Chris Hedges. I don't tolerate bad economics, though, under any circumstances from any of my heroes. And that includes Bernie Sanders and anyone else that gets it wrong. Why? Because the cost of getting this wrong is greater than any other thing you could imagine. Okay, so let's look at this point by point. The permanent war economy. We use the war economy, this thing right here, this permanent war economy. We use this economy for two things. Number one, because we have convinced ourselves that regular people shouldn't get government handouts. We have invested ourselves in this neoliberal project to the extreme. So naturally, the only way to spend money into the economy is the war economy. The other thing is this. In neoliberal world, the only thing worth protecting is private property. So the permanent war economy goes after resources around the world. And we at home just stay perfectly fine. But the war economy, is a, it, it's a Keynesian militarism of sorts because we recognize that if we spend money on the people, what happens? Let's, let's stop right there. Let's ask ourselves before we go any further. Let's literally ask ourselves, what happens if I spend money on you? Think about this really clearly. If I spend money on you, what happens? What ends up happening is, is that you are no longer necessary. You no longer require anything that the capitalist class gives you. You are no longer just a throwaway. And that's what happened during the pandemic. People had options and they chose not to. So what do they have to do to fix that? They have to tighten the screws to make us need it more. They have to make it more slavery-like. Okay. So this is what's going on. This isn't a matter of we can't do it another way. This is a matter that in order to keep capitalism alive and well, in order to keep our resources coming from around the world, instead of using our own resources, which we have plenty of folks, by the way. We're not dealing in an issue of scarcity here. We're dealing with an economy that has been fueled off of literally turning colon, uh, colonies around the world. The global South has basically been our laboratory, our, our, our um, what, is it, what do we call that? Fuck, fuck, fuck. The factory floor. It has become our factory. It has become our industrial complex down there in the South, they do all the manufacturing. China does the manufacturing. We have pushed that out of the country so we can have clean air, clean water, clean this, clean, and we don't even have that because all the pollution that comes with that, all the extra cost that comes with that. Plus, we'd rather give them pieces of paper for their goods and services rather than have us waste our natural resources creating things internally here. 
when we can buy their products over there and just give them pieces of paper. Do you understand? This is a purposeful decision to create the United States into a service economy while pushing the blue collar labor economy to the rest of the world. This isn't like, in, it has to be this way. It doesn't mean that if, oh my God, we don't have the world reserve currency anymore, we can't survive, whatever will we do? It just means the fat cats have to bring the jobs back. It means that we have to suddenly do the building here in the United States, okay? It means that we may have to be better in terms of our relationships with other countries, as opposed to just making demands and using dollar diplomacy to force them. Every time I hear a lefty cry about us losing dollar hegemony, I think to myself, hmm, are they really a lefty? Do they understand what they're fighting for? Do they understand that dollar hegemony allows us to be a neo-colonial power? Okay, we get to push our reach around by making them produce goods and services for us. That won't stop completely if we aren't the dollar, the world reserve currency. You still need to do. We have 350 million people in a vibrant economy here. They're still going to want to sell their products into the United States. Make no mistake about it. They're going to want to still do that factory work. Make no mistake about it. Their economies depend on it. Okay, regardless. But what Chris Hedges is saying here is absolutely incorrect. The permanent war economy implanted since the end of World War II has destroyed the private economy. What is the private economy? Is, this is the joke of the century right here. For a leftist talking about the private economy, the private economy, what is that? Libertarianism? What are we talking about there, right? The libertarians don't understand that dollars come from the U.S. government. It doesn't come from private banks. It comes from the U.S. government. Private banks have a charter from the U.S. government to allow them to be brokers of U.S. dollars, not creators, but brokers. They can issue loans. They can't spend new money into existence. Bankrupted the nation. How do we bankrupt the nation that creates its own currency? Folks, seriously, he said bankrupting the nation. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Bankrupting the nation. Bankrupting the nation, folks. This is what Chris Hedges said, bankrupting the nation. How do you bankrupt? How do you bankrupt the United States that creates its own currency? Please, I'm begging somebody that is one of those folks that ignores the economics to tell me how we bankrupt the nation. If you can't answer it, I strongly suggest never. Let me repeat this, never saying it again. Hold on, let me say it again. I, I want to try it again. Never, ever say that we're bankrupting the nation again. For any reason, ever say that again. Okay? And squandered trillions of taxpayer money. Folks, holy fuck. What the hell does that mean? Taxpayer money. How in the world is he selling the idea of taxpayer money? I mean, for real. I want you to think about what I'm saying here. I've shown this to you all before. I think I'm going to try and show it to you again. I think I'm going to try and show you this again. Let's go ahead and share this screen here. 
and see if I can somehow or another make heads or tails of this before we go any further. This right here is the dangerous myth of taxpayer money, okay? There's a reason it's called the dangerous myth of taxpayer money, all right? And I'm just gonna be honest with you, it's because there's no such thing as taxpayer money, okay? That's not how this works. Here's, let's read this momentary. There is no such thing as public money, only taxpayer money. Oh shit, who said that? Was that from Margaret Thatcher? So is this literally, is this literally the guy that I am a, I hear, I worship the hero. I, he's my hero. I, I think of Chris Hedges as a hero. And yet he sits there and parrots Maggie Thatcher's constant bullshit and Ronald Reagan's constant bullshit. This guy is my hero, folks. And I'm telling you, this is what he's saying. And I'm gonna scroll down here. Calling public money taxpayer money implicitly, implicitly affirms that taxation is theft. If the money is taxpayers by right, what business does the government have using it for healthcare, jobs, or clean water? If we're looking out for taxpayers and not the public as a whole, we're favoring wealthy groups over poor groups, white people over black people, men over women, US-born people over immigrants, and so forth. We're hiding how the economic order relies merely on sacrifices of taxpayers, but the contributions of debtors, tenants, workers, countless other actors. We're perpetuating the politics behind the 1970s California taxpayer revolt, the 1980s demonization of welfare queens, and the Make America Great Again movement, faux populism, that suggests the great majority rely on what the wealthy rather than vice versa. Okay, not only is the taxpayer money frame it damaging, it doesn't reflect how public money actually works. Let's look how public money actually works. Right here, this right here. How, how we think about the deficit is mostly wrong. You can get this easy to find, okay? They break it out over and over and over again. The fact of the matter is, and let's just get out of this. Let's go back, go back here. And actually, let's get out of that altogether. I want to state this for the record. Every single time someone says taxpayer money, they are literally behaving like a teabagger, like a frigging neo-maxi teabagging zundweeby, and it's not cool. It's not cool at all, okay? Taxes literally don't fund spending. People thought I was just making this shit up back in 2016, 2015. Now, every Tom, Dick, and Harry wants to take a shot, at me because I said it before they did, and now they're trying to get a piece of my skin, piece of my flesh. No, this is wrong. It's not taxpayer money. It's all brand new money every time. Where does that money come from? We're not bankrupt. If they're spending the money, it's not. We're not bankrupt. Do you understand? We are not bankrupt. It's impossible to be bankrupt. Impossible to be bankrupt. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go ahead and share. I'm going to share the uh, screen one more time here with Chris Hedges, and we're going to stick with his. And squandered, there we go. You see it? Yes, you do see it. All right. So, and squandered trillions of dollars of taxpayer money. The monopolization of capital by the military has driven the U.S. debt to $30 trillion. 
six trillion more than the US GDP of 24 trillion. Servicing the debt costs 300 billion a year. We spent more on the military, 813 billion for the fiscal year 2023 than the next nine countries. Okay, see, these are this is a statement that is a true statement. That's it. The rest of this is complete idiocy. Folks, idiocy. We're not talking about minor league idiocy. We are talking about big-time idiocy. Okay? Big-time idiocy. This is my hero we're talking about, right? This is a hero. But the hero is telling you that we are in debt and we the nation is drowning, drowning in debt. Listen, has driven the U.S. debt to $30 trillion. Six trillion more than the USG. Now, I want you to understand something. What is the national debt? The national debt is simply the sum total of every untaxed dollar the United States creates, by the way, every untaxed dollar in the economy today. Now, if that's the truth, who do we owe US dollars to? Have you ever thought of us borrowing money from China? Have you, hey, China, we need to borrow some US dollars so we can go to war with you. Hey, Russia, can we borrow some US dollars from you so we can do a proxy war against you? Do you hear how stupid this is? Do you hear how absolutely moronic this is? No one with, no one would ever repeat this if they understood, but they are. The United States government is in debt to no one. We're in debt to no one. And yes, we're not squandering money. We're squandering exactly enormous resources and lost opportunities. But it is not in any way, shape, or form. Zero national debt. And see, this is what's horrible. This is why we titled this When Our Heroes Fail Us. I'm going to go out of this for a minute. When you tell the truth and you say, my hero's wrong, bad people, frail people, people that can't hear the truth, defend the wrong at the expense. It's like a religion to be wrong. It's like a religion to be wrong. And they protect. I see it with Republicans. They do it. I see it with Marxists when you say anything about Marx, because Marx didn't understand fiat currency during his commodity regime. But you see every Marxist, how dare you say anything about Marx? How dare you say anything about Ronald Reagan? How dare you say anything about Bill Clinton? How dare you say anything about Bernie? How dare you? Bad people do this stuff. Bad people do this stuff. And it's impossible to get past it. It's impossible to get past it because you sit there and fight like you're on, but you're on each other's team. So let's 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 do. I like this point here. Let's do this. So you could easily restate Hedge's basic points in an MMT framework. Yeah. So let's try that. Let's try that. The permanent war economy, in other words, neoliberalism has prevented us from understanding that we can spend money on the people and save the world and not have to use war as a means of, of economic growth because we understand that we can spend on the people. Implanted since the end of World War II, because at the end of World War II, we had the Bretton Woods Accord, which allowed us 
to have the reserve currency around the world. Okay. Has destroyed the private economy? No, it has not destroyed the private economy. The private economy is starving because we're not paying people a living wage. And because the cost, guys, listen to this real quickly. The cost, the cost of a of a brand new Jeep Wagoneer base model is $80,000, a Jeep. With it fully loaded, we're talking about 110,000 for a Jeep, okay? That's the economy. The war machine didn't change that. Neoliberalism did because they're not paying us, we the people, but they're pay- the, the fire sector, the investment community, Wall Street, you name it. We have made a decision. Our elected officials have made a decision that they're going to make Wall Street the benefactor of our economy, not Main Street. This is not the, oh my God, the war economy. This is the fire sector economy, okay? This is Wall Street economy. And this is decided by both Republicans and Democrats, okay? Republicans and Democrats. So with this, he goes by, he says, the monopolization of capital by the military. So you know, this part right here, although it's not entirely true, because ultimately the monopolization of capital, what does that mean? Capital monopolizing capital? What, what, what are they talking about? The factories? Well, factories around the world. We don't make a lot of stuff here. In fact, we farm it out. So I'm not sure that he's talking about the money in the system The we, we have because we have to use that money because we're crowding out. This is another neoliberal perspective. It's wrong. The U.S. government cannot crowd. There's no such thing as capital flight in a fiat cu- currency because we can just spend that money back and we can create anything we want. The monopolization of capital is as if there's a finite pool of money in the world and that we've monopolized it on the military. That's not true. Driven the U.S. debt to $30 trillion, meaning that we've spent $30 trillion into the economy that we haven't taxed back out. And that's since the dawn of the country, by the way. $6 trillion more than the U.S. GDP, and that is an absolutely meaningless number. That's a meaningless number. It's an absolutely meaningless number. Why is that? Right now, Japan, a little island nation of Japan, the little island nation of Japan has a 300 to 1 debt to GDP ratio. 300 to 1 debt to GDP ratio. Do you know why that is? Because debt to GDP means shit. Gross national product is the amount of sales we do in this country. That means stock buybacks. That's a that's a purchase. That means every time you file a claim with an insurance company and they deny you, that's that's part of GDP. Every time there's a natural disaster and we go ahead and clean it up, that's GDP. It's a meaningless number. I mean, it says how much we brought in, but it doesn't tell you anything. And, and yeah, and you know what? This is absolutely true. Going back to when Lenin wrote um, uh, Imperialism, the, the Final Stage of Capitalism, He talked even then about finance capital going around the world. This is back in the turn of the century in the 1900s. It's been like this forever. Okay. I mean, seriously, forever. Okay. So let's get back to hedges here. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, look, we create the currency. 
There is no going broke. We're not borrowing it from anyone for five. Folks, hold on. Let me say it so you can see my face. Chris, I love you. Love you like a brother. I know you don't know me. And you probably don't give a shit about me. But we met back at the Movement for a People's Party at the uh, Convergence Conference, I believe it was. We actually were outside of a place where you spoke with Jill Stein, Tim Canova, and Chase Iron Eyes. Got pictures with you and everything else. Fact of the matter is, I love you, but you're wrong. You're wrong, and I want you to get it right. I want you to get it right, dude. You, you're too necessary to get this wrong. You're way too necessary to get this wrong. So in any event, let's go back to his article here. Servicing this debt costs $300 billion a year. Let's talk about the debt. Let's talk about the debt for just one more minute. When the government spends money into the economy, the way our laws are written, and this is to make sure that the fat cats get a piece of the action. This was really meant for a gold standard thing. But since we're not on the gold standard, now it's just tribute to the rich. It's a basic income to the rich, those people that hold U.S. bonds. Now, not all of them are the rich. Some of them are pensioners. Some of them are old people that are retiring and their money is tied up in these things and they're in U.S. bonds. But a lot of times when China sells products and services into the United States, they receive U.S. dollars for their sales into the United States. Okay. So what do they do with their U.S. dollars? They make a decision. They put them into bonds and they earn a nominal 1%, 2% interest. That's it. It's their money. They earned it selling goods and services to us. We didn't borrow it from them. Do you understand? So to be incorrect on this allows the right wing a foothold to believe, oh my God, we're in debt. We're going to die. It's a lie. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. This is a serious, this is not a nominal thing. It's not some random thing to get wrong. This is the most serious thing because people are dying because of austerity and what he's putting out there ends up becoming austerity. He still believes we've got to tax the rich to pay for things. The problem is when you tax the rich to pay for things, first off, it doesn't work that way. The taxes are deleted. So you, all you've done is taken money from them. You have not paid a cent to make the, the poor better. They haven't received a nickel because taxes are deleted. You have to have a spending bill to make those kids and young people and rich people and poor people and everybody else that's suffering. Rich people, yeah, fuck you. The, the poor and all, you've got to have a bill to spend that money back into the economy. Taxes delete money, new spending creates money. That's it. It's always the same, always will be. Okay, always will be. Okay, so... Nobody else is going to tell you this stuff. Why is that? I don't know. And this is why we stay stuck because we fucking idolize heroes and we, we protect them and we don't tell the truth and we lie and we allow that lie to perpetuate and we don't fucking push back. It's evil. It's wrong. You can push back against people you care about. You can push back against loved ones. You don't have to fucking suck on everything they say. When they're wrong, they're wrong. When they're wrong, they're fucking wrong. So let's get back to this. Servicing this debt costs $300 billion a year. Costs who? We pre-fund that. That's money we create out of thin air. That's a new net $300 billion a year added to the economy. Okay. Now, the problem is it's a net $300 billion into the economy. Guess where it's going to? It's going to those treasury bonds, going to rich people, people that have that. So... It's not helping most regular people at all. 
that could change as well. We don't have to sell bonds. We could literally stop selling bonds or shrink the terms of those bonds. We could literally do that yesterday with a zero interest rate policy because raising interest on, on debt, all that does, all raising the interest rate does is literally give more money to rich people. And it literally creates the conditions to lay off regular workers. So Chris is really preaching some shitty economics here, so bad that it hurts the people that he's pretending to actually support. We spent more, okay, we already agree with this. We do agree, we spent more, this is just one of those token throwaway things that everybody, yeah, of course, I agree with that. We spent more on the military, 813 billion for the fiscal year than the next nine countries. That's a true statement. I see, now all of a sudden, we start getting the things that are a little squishier. We are paying for a heavy social, political, and economic costs for our militarism. True. Not so much the economic costs, but the other parts, yes. Washington washes, watches passively as the U.S. rots morally, yes. Politically, yes. Economically, they're not watching passively. This is intentional. They need us to be more precarious because we had too much power during the pandemic, and now they've got to inch that power back to make us slaves again for capital. If we're not in dire need, we won't take their shit jobs. This is the deal, folks. Don't allow these fucking Bitcoin people to tell you this stuff, it's wrong. And physically, while China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, India, and other countries extract themselves away from the tyranny of the US dollar, now see, I'm not disagreeing with them so far, and the International Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications, SWIFT, Again, not disagreeing either. A messaging network, banks, and other financial institutions used to send and receive information, such as money transfer instructions. So far, not, not disagreeing. Once the U.S., here we go. Now we start getting into crankery. Once the U.S. dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency, and, and folks, I, I want you to understand something. The world reserve currency, this is so in, just infuriating. I want you all to understand this. From the world reserve currency, of the all the different currencies that are in the exchange reserve uh, bucket, okay, the, the world reserve currency bucket, there is U.S. dollars that makes up 62% of the reserves because right now they need to use 62% of it because they buy oil using U.S. dollars, priced in U.S. dollars. So people exchange their current currency for US dollars to buy, to make purchases of oil. So that's why 62% is the US dollar. But then you've got the Euro, then you've got the Chinese yuan, then you've got the yen, then you've got the pound sterling, you've got the Aussie dollar, Canadian dollar, Swiss franc, and many others. Folks, many others, okay? So if that's the case, if you've got all of these different currencies that are part of the reserve currency, the world reserve currency, you need to understand that this is much ado about nothing, okay? It's much ado about nothing. But like I said in the beginning, if we lose, somehow or another, we fall below the French franc, some, or the, the UK, uh, the pound sterling, or somehow or another, we fall behind the Aussie dollar, okay? W which isn't gonna happen, by the way. But let's just say it does. We're just gonna have to bring home manufacturing. Just get over it. Stop acting like this is some horrible deal. Okay? 
I mean, you want imperialism to end, but yet you keep crying about the very nature that keeps it. it, it it's, it's unfathomable how ridiculous it is. But let's go on further, okay? So once the U.S. dollar is no longer the world's reserve currency, once there is an alternative to SWIFT, it will precipitate an internal economic collapse. It will force the immediate contraction of the U.S. empire. You say, yes, shuttering most of its nearly 800 overseas military installations. It will signal the death of Pax Americana. God. Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter. War is the raison d'etre. Ah, I always fuck that word up, but you get it of the state, extravagant military expenditures are justified in the name of national security. The nearly 40 billion allocated for Ukraine, most of it going to the hands of weapons manufacturers such as Ray. Yes, yes, yes. When the government spends money, it spends money into these companies. That's how money gets into the economy. It should be spent on we the people with job guarantees, Medicare for all, a Green New Deal, all that stuff. But instead, no, it is spent first into these companies and then it trickles down to us. This is trickle-down economics at its finest, folks. Okay, it's $40 billion allocated for these blah, 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 general damage, Northrop Grumman basis, Lockheed, blah, is only the beginning. Military strategists who say the war will be long and protracted are talking about infusions of 4 or $5 billion in military aid a month to Ukraine. We face an existential threats, but these don't count. The proposed budget for the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention fiscal year is $10.675 billion. The proposed budget for the Environmental Protection Agency is $11.8 billion. Ukraine alone gets more than double that amount. Okay, <clears throat> this is a stupid choice for sure. Absolutely agree with him. Pandemics and climate emergency are afterthoughts. He and I are 100% in agreement here. Do you see how weird this thing is? This stuff right here that he's complaining about is all of our shared complaint. We as progressives all agree with you, Chris Hedges. You are right on the money here, okay? But you're misdiagnosing the cause. There were three restraints to avarice and bloodlust of the permanent war economy that no longer exists. First was the old liberal wing of the Democratic Party led by politicians such as Senator George McGovern, Eugene McCarthy, and Senator J. William Fulbright who wrote the Pentagon propaganda machine, the self-identified progressives, a pitiful minority in Congress today from Barbara Lee, who was the single vote in the House and the Senate opposing a broad open-ended authorization, allowing the president to wage war enough. Okay, so he's going to go through all these things that we know and love through here, okay? I, I, and and I, I think you can hear, oh my God, the handful of anti-militarist and critics of empire from the left, such as Noam Chomsky and the right, such as Ron Paul, have been declared persona non grata by a compliant media, okay? The liberal class has retreated into boutique activism and class capitalism, militarism, are jettisoned for cancel culture, multiculturalism, and identity politics. Okay, let's stop right there, because that's a big one. The fact is, is that, yes, the Democratic Party, which is a neoliberal party, has gone the way of identity politics because it keeps them in power. This is how they divide us so that we can never unite and then divide us again 
to make sure that they're always able to have some special little thing that makes them the ones that can take care of it and the other guys don't. Well, the other guys are always bloodlusting pieces of shit. So that's it. That's an irrelevant thing. What the problem here is, and this is a real problem, all right? This is a real problem. Let's go ahead back to this momentarily. When you look at this, okay, he's putting up Noam Chomsky and Ron Paul, all right? Now, Ron Paul, I've been a Ron Paul guy way back, as far back as I can remember back in the day. But Ron Paul is a whack-a-mole with the Rothschilds and the anti-Semitism. And dude has got some sick fucking ideas, straight up sick ideas about like in Galveston, we had the right idea when the hurricanes came through, they basically made the poor help clear the bodies off the beach. No federal tax money was needed. The people understood. And those poors that wouldn't do that were held by gunpoint to make them pull the dead bodies off the beach. I heard that. I stopped being a Ron Paul guy instantly. That was the end right there. And there's a lot more to it because he is a gold bug. He's one of those guys that doesn't understand economics at all. Okay. He doesn't understand at all. Okay. At all. But there you go. You know, so I just want to make this clear that <laughs> just because you're anti war doesn't mean that you're somebody that shouldn't be canceled. You understand? The libertarian principle of not being for war doesn't take into consideration Ron Paul's propensity for allowing war internally in the United States to happen on people of color, people on the gender spectrum, etc. Anyone that's non-binary is right in the line of fire for Ron Paul's, hey man, business can make its own decisions because that's what libertarian is. My property, my choices, my business. I don't have to serve you, Mr. Homosexual, Mrs. Whatever, Mrs. Black person or Mrs. You know, indigenous person or whatever. I don't have to do that. That's the Ron Paul libertarian thing. The, the Clive and Bundys of the world, that's the Ron Paul thing. But Chris Hedges, because the guy absolutely, like the broke clock of Ron and uh, uh, what's his face, Paul, right? Rand Paul. They are broke clock and they're right twice a day. They get it right on war and they get it right on weed. And beyond that, they're fucked. War and weed's the only thing those two get right. And if they join me for making weed legal, then I'm going to be right there for about one second. The minute we're done, it's like, fuck you. We don't need some alliances. Okay? But these guys are a damn disgrace. They're terrors. Okay? They're terrors. So, again, as, as a Chris Hedges fan, hero, let's go back to this because it's very wrong. <clears throat> so he says... Liberals are cheering for the war in Ukraine. God, the propaganda is rich with our media. It's not that liberals are cheerleading for it. It's that they're literally under the spell of the mainstream media. They're regular people like you, Chris, like me. They just happen to be propagandized. At least the inception of the war with Iraq saw them join significant street protests. Yes, because you had a Republican in office. The minute that a Democrat is in office, truly awful people will say, vote blue no matter who. They won't allow you to criticize anyone else, blah, 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 okay? So ultimately, in the end, you've got a lot of real serious issues, okay? Real, real serious issues. Anyway, he comes out, 
Ukraine is embraced as the last crusade for freedom and democracy against the new Hitler. There is little hope. And all of this I agree with, by the way, is that they they demonized Putin. And, you know, for all the shit, they've created this thing. And it's again, they've got to create a bad guy. They got to create a Cold War. They got to create a proxy war to be able to infuse money into the economy. That's how the war machine works. When you slow down a war spending, the fucking economy comes to a crawl. Because if they put into the domestic economy, then you won't be in precarity. And if you're not in precarity, then the business class can't make you work for shit wages. You understand? You see this. Please tell me you see what I just said. So there's little hope, I fear, of rolling back or restraining the disasters being orchestrated on a national and global level. The neoconservatives and liberal interventionists chant in unison for war. There's no question that the propaganda machine has ramped up and has done a number on them. Biden has appointed these warmongers. Yes, he has. Biden is an atrocity, and those who pushed us to Biden didn't do us any favors at all. In fact, there's some people that I would have called friends before that really, really excommunicated me for saying this very thing. Whose attitude to nuclear war is terrifyingly cavalier, true, to run the Pentagon, the National Security Council, and the State Department, absolutely true. Since all we do is war, absolutely true, all proposed solutions are military. Absolutely true. This military adventurism accelerates the decline. Seeing that he's, here's the problem. He does not understand this. This right here, this right here, this whole thing about the military, right? This is really important to understand. It's not adventurism, okay? It's not adventure. It's squandering $8 trillion in the futile wars. This is not adventurism. Folks, this is a business model. This is a, an intentional policy position because the only way that we can get Democrats and Republicans, rank and file people who listen to Chris Hedges, sadly, and think the nation's drowning in debt, the same people, the good guys even, think this. Because of that, we won't get a Green New Deal. We won't get Medicare for all. We won't get free college. We won't get student uh, debt uh, cancellation. None of these things. Why? Because we're in debt. We're a bankrupt. For fuck's sake, the country's bankrupt. However could we possibly do a Green New Deal, Chris? If we're bankrupt, however could we do anything, right? See, this is where his framing is so dangerous. So unbelievably dangerous. So, these, dement, these are demented and dangerous fantasies perpetrated by a ruling class that has severed itself from reality. They know what they're doing. See, this is, this is the thing. Acting like they don't know what they're doing is insane. This is exactly what they do to ensure that money makes it back in the economy because if money's not in the economy and we're really, really desperate, we are going to finally take to the streets and make demands. But as long as we're sated, it won't be a problem. So they'll go ahead and start a war, get our jingoism up, get our red, white, and blue going, and get money back into the economy, see people celebrating the wins. We're taking a sacrifice for the old U.S. of A., blah, blah, blah. No longer able to salvage their own society and economy, they seek to destroy those of global competitors, especially Russia, China, blah, blah, blah. Folks, this is the problem. Again, neoliberalism is the extraction and privatization of everything. 
capitalism is about ownership of the means of production, whereas labor and the ownership class, there's like a spectrum, there's a pendulum, right? There's a, a degrees of capitalism, degrees of socialism. There's never been a pure socialist country, never a pure communist country. There's never been a pure capitalist country. It's always been like this, but we're pegged over here in this neoliberal right-wing world, okay? So with that in mind, when you understand this is the neoliberal model, neoliberalism starts like this. We could have this great period of time with minimum of privatization because there's enough untapped industry to grow. So you start selling something that's benign into the economy. Once you've saturated the market and you look around for the next market to clear, all of a sudden you start saying, well, shit, we're out of regular shit that's not government controlled or publicly owned or whatever. So now what we have to do is we have to fight social security. We have to eliminate the public space and we have to privatize that to go to you know personal savings accounts at wall street so what they do they dismantle public services to make them private services to grow to continue the growth and to continue more growth and so this is what's been happening around the world the us sends consultants to these other countries and they say hey australia hey uk we can go ahead and help you fix your profit problem Let's go ahead and privatize your national health service. Let's go ahead and privatize these things. And now all of a sudden businesses can start making money again. But at the expense of we, the people, as they limit the safety nets, as they limit all the social benefits of society. Okay? So when you understand that, that's the model. What I said won't change tomorrow, won't change next week, won't change next month, probably will not change next year. As he states eloquently, neoliberals liberals vote blue no matter who's don't care they are going to vote blue no matter who okay this is a reality this is why i frequently say we must organize outside of the electoral process because the electoral system is owned and controlled by democrats and republicans two private corporations that get to set the rules Okay, to play in their game, you've got to get them to agree to really make the rules work for you. Because unfortunately, in this country, both of these parties in this first-past-the-post world have control over the process. It's a big club, and we ain't in it. You understand? So in order to affect that, we've got to organize outside. We've got to stop looking at this like it's real. There's no path there. It's not the way forward. It's not going to get these big things done. That's why it's always hand-wringing and futile. And everybody's live streams are constantly regurgitating the same shit over and over again. They're acting, surprise. And it's like, guys and gals, what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about? Anyway, let's get back to this. So... These demented and dangerous fantasies perpetrated by a ruling class has severed itself from reality. Yes, it is perpetrated, but they're doing it to keep us in compliance. So we are pliable. The minute we're in precarity, we have to do what they say. That's the deal. No longer able to salvage their own society and economy. This is what I was saying. They always are adding more and more and more. They're going after, they need a cold war against China because China has invested in its domestic infrastructure. One belt, one road. They have invested in these things. The U.S. government could do the same. But we don't because people like Chris Hedges say we're bankrupt. 
We're out of money. We couldn't possibly do it. We're broke. How in the world could the U.S. possibly do it? We're broke. He's wrong. Okay, he's wrong. Once the militarists cripple Russia, now see, this is the thing. Russia has proven that it has blown past dollar hegemony. So at the top, he's saying, at the top of the article, he's busy telling us that we're literally going to lose U.S. hegemony. But then he simultaneously comes back and says that we're going to cripple the Russian economy. How is that possible? Doesn't make sense. Russia understands its boundaries. The only thing that it lacks is the high-tech things like semiconductors, which they can get from China. Period. It, it's ridiculous. They are food sovereignty, they have energy sovereignty, and they have their own ruble. Okay. And it doesn't matter how it trades on the open market. Because you know what Russia did? Let me take a pause from this moment here. What Russia did was Russia said, we're going to sell our oil to people that will buy it in rubles only. If you'll buy our oil in rubles, then you can have our oil. They control the real resource. They control the real resource. And by the way, if you ever drink non-alcoholic, and that's all I drink, I've been sober a long time, Caliber by Guinness, really, really good. It's about the only one that I can handle. Anyway, that said, that's not a paid advertisement, by the way. Let's get back to Chris momentarily. So he, he's, he goes back here, it's like dominating what Hillary Clinton, a secretary of state, referring to the Pacific as the American Sea. You cannot talk about war without talking about markets. Now, he, here's where we start agreeing. U.S., whose growth rate has fallen to below 2%, while China's growth rate has risen to 8.1%, has turned to military aggression to bolster its sagging economy. Yes, yes, now you're talking, Chris. You're contradicting earlier statements, but now you're, you're on the right spot. That's exactly it. If the U.S. can ever can sever Russian gas supplies to Europe, it will force Europeans to buy from the United States, which we don't care, folks. Oh, my God. <clears throat> do we need the world's money? Think about it for a minute. Do we need the world's money? Do we need UK pounds? Do we need German franc? What EU? What is it? Euros? Right? 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 We don't need euros, do we? Why do they think that we need their money? We don't need their money. We create money. And we have you ever spent a euro here in the United States? Do you go down to the dime store and drop a euro into the thing and buy something with euros? No, you never do that. Why? Because euros don't have any power here in the United States. So who cares? Who cares? Exactly, Wesley. Uh, um, uh, Steve, you got it. Exactly right there. Japan gets MMT. They're not afraid of spending. Same with China, by the way. Okay. Finance capital means shit. Finance capital is like having a kitty steering wheel in the back. You know, the US government controls this stuff, it allows these things to happen. So let's get back to Chris Hedges because I only have a few more minutes that I can really do this here. So I'm going to try and get through this. He says, uh, Europeans to buy, this is not true. It doesn't matter. At the same time, would be happy to replace the Chinese Communist Party, even if they must do it through threat of war to open unfettered access to Chinese markets. Yes, now you're talking, but it's not just Chinese markets, really more a matter of unfettered access to the rest of the world. And that anytime somebody blocks US or uh, you know IMF 
a sponsored uh, debt into their markets, they're going to deal with NATO or they're going to deal with something, right? Um, so this is war, if it did break up with China, would devastate the Chinese, American, and global economies, destroying free trade between countries as in World War I. But that doesn't mean it won't happen. Washington is desperately trying to build military and economic alliances to ward off a rising China. Yes, whose economy is expected by 2028 to overtake that of the United States. Yes, according to the UK Center for Economics and Business Research, Sever. The White House has said that Biden's current visit to Asia is about sending a powerful message to Beijing and about others about what the world could look like if democracies stand together to shape the rules of the road. The Biden administration has invited South Korea and Japan to attend the NATO summit in Madrid. But fewer and fewer nations, even among European allies, are willing to be dominated by the United States. And good, good. Washington's veneer of democracy and supposed respect for human rights and civil liberties is so badly tarnished as to be irrecoverable. True. I don't know if it's, anything's irrecoverable, but if we got rid of neoliberals, it would be a big start, right? Its economic decline with China's manufacturing 70% higher than that of the U.S. is irreversible. And that's not a big deal. Trust me, folks. That's not a big deal. War is a desperate Hail Mary, one employed by dying empires throughout history with catastrophic consequences. We've been doing this since, we've been doing this forever, folks. Of course it's catastrophic. It's horrible. It was the rise of Athens and the fear that instilled Sparta that made war inevitable. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, he, he goes through this whole thing. Actually, it's pretty much where it stops. So I'm just going to go back here and just stop sharing this for now. And I'm going to say this for everyone's sake. The United States government's economy is not in any way, shape, or form controlled by the outside world. We have energy sovereignty. In other words, we can produce enough energy for ourselves. We have food sovereignty, meaning that we could create enough food for ourselves. We have minerals uh, and, and semiconductor and everything else sovereignty. We can build anything we want. We can do anything we want internally at the United States. Now, do we want to waste all of our natural resources, burning them up with the consumption that we like to do today? No, we're going to have to think about because we have a climate crisis that's more important than any of this shit, right? We have a climate crisis that is way more important than any of this shit. So some of these things, they may happen because we suck. That's not necessarily a bad deal, okay? That's not necessarily a bad deal. But I got to tell you, guys like Hedges, they get the economics wrong. Guys like Richard Wolf who say the same shit. There's a huge audience of our brothers and sisters on the left that listen to them and should. There's so many things they get right. But the things they get wrong are the really important things, like understanding how money works and understanding where money comes from. The U.S. government doesn't go to a private bank, borrow money, and get terms and conditions for it, and, and that's how we spend it. It doesn't do that. But that's what Hedges believes. That's what Wolf believes. These are folks that don't understand that the dollar is nothing more than a unit of account. It's simply a tax credit. In other words, you have it in your hand like a coupon, and you go in, you put it back in, and it dissolves the tax. That's all it is. The U.S. government creates these tax credits so that it can provision itself. It can pay for a standing army. 
It can pay for energy. It can pay for schools, but it doesn't do these things. Instead, it uses dollars to create wealth for the wealthy. It doesn't serve we the people. And if we are not being served, we're just simply chattel for the business world. We're simply chattel slaves for them. That's all we are. That's literally all we are. We are an open air prison. And that's it. We're in an open air prison. And when they need labor, they make the world really, really hard on you for the base level stuff, the stuff that the non uh, train, the stuff that you don't need special skills for. Okay. But when they need someone with special skills, what do they do? They offer to pay for them to go to school. They offer sweetheart deals to train up as many doctors and STEM, whatever. Okay. So they will incentivize high paid work, but they will turn around and make your life a living hell on the bottom so that you'll continue to pick up their trash. So you'll continue to scrub their toilets. So you'll continue to curtsy and say, I'm sorry, ma'am. Okay. That's intentional. But the United States government isn't broke. Our country isn't bankrupt. There isn't anything that prevents us from spending anything we want. You notice our taxes don't go up for the military, but yet somehow or another we're bankrupt because they believe we're borrowing. It's called deficit spending. And deficits really don't matter in the way that they try to put it out there. Because when they pay a tax, it's deleted. It's drained out of the bottom of the, the tub, if you will. Okay? That's the deal. That's the deal. Period. Period. Folks, this is not an MMT. I mean, it is MMT. But it is a true statement, regardless of whether you believe MMT or not. Federal taxes are functionally deleted. They're gone. They don't exist. They're never respent ever, 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 never respent ever. They're not redistributed ever. They're deleted, period. You pay a federal tax, it's deleted. You pay FICA taxes for Social Security, it's deleted. When you go to spend money on your FICA check, guess what? It's new money spent. It's not some crumpled up dollar bill from 1919 that granny put in there. So all this stuff that Hedges is saying, whatever could I do to make him understand that we have money as a public monopoly? The federal government is the money monopolist. Forget the creature from Jekyll Isle, friends. Forget the Rothschilds. Okay? God, I wish Iron Maiden, you know the song Rothschild? Wish we could change it to Rothschilds. Whatever it is, right? I would love to hear that song done as Rothschilds. Anyway, I've got to get out. I'm going to spend a night with my son playing and having fun. But I felt like this was just too important of a live stream to not do. I want to give you each of these links. I'm going to put them into the um, chat right here. And hopefully somebody from my team can help me um, get them into the show notes because I've got to get out of Dodge here. So as I put them into the stream here, just know. I am trying my best to help you guys make heads and tails of a very, very challenging world. And if it bothers you, I hope you'll forgive me. Because quite frankly, there's not much I can do about it. I mean, there's just not much I can do about it. So 
anyway, you've got it. I hope that this was educational for you. I love Chris Hedges. So if anybody goes and runs to Chris, oh, Steve did it like I love you, Chris. This is not an indictment of you as a human being. You are one of the true truth tellers. You just don't understand econ. And I'm here to help. That's what we do. So in any event, folks, I love you guys. We'll talk soon. Thanks. I'm out of here. The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.